Hi, this is Ivarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. You can now access The Candid Frame on your smartphone or tablet. Whether your device runs Apple's iOS, Android, or Windows 8, you can download the free app and the latest episode will appear on your device minutes after it's released. You can also mark your favorites for repeated listening, read the show notes, and if you answer a call, the show will begin just where you left off. Download it for free from your favorite app store or click on the links that you'll find at thecandidframe.com. Well, one of the types of photographers that a lot of people would like to be is a fashion portrait celebrity photographer. There's just something about the the mythology surrounding what it means to be that kind of photographer that draws a lot of people to pick up the camera. But it's not all glitz and glory, as you'll as you'll find out in this conversation that we have with Matthew Jordan Smith. There's a lot of hard work involved in being just such a photographer. A lot of you are familiar with Matthew Jordan Smith's work. His work has appeared in countless numbers of magazines. He's photographed for a lot of commercial clients like HBO and Revlon and L'Oreal. And more popularly, you, you may have seen him on America's Next Top Model, where he appeared as a guest photographer on, on numerous times. He's also the author of several books, one of which includes Sepia Dreams, a book that is a collection of interviews and portraits of accomplished African Americans. His latest project is a personal project called Future Presidents, in which he traveled over 14,000 miles to photograph young children and to hopefully inspire a lot of children to do a lot more with their lives than they maybe could have initially imagined. But before we start, I want to offer you something. A company called Rev.com, a transcription service, uh, provided me the opportunity to transcribe one of my interviews uh, into a a PDF, into a document that you can actually read. So I chose the 200th episode, the conversation I had with Dan Winters, to do that. And I'm going to provide a link to that on the show notes. So if you click on the show notes, it will take you to a folder on my Google Drive account where you can download the full transcription for, for free. If transcripts of the show are something that you think would be of interest to you, let me know what you think about this transcription, and you can email me by emailing me directly at info at thecandidframe.com, or simply click on the link on the website, or if you have one of the apps for the iOS, Android, or Windows operating system, just take advantage of that link there. So uh, that's all for me, and let's now hear my conversation with Matthew Jordan Smith. Well, Matthew, welcome to the Candid Frame, man. It's a it's a pleasure to sit across from you and talk to you. Thank you, man. It's good being here. Um, I, I was doing my research with you, and I was kind of wondering where do I start this conversation. And then I saw this one note, and I went, "Okay, that's where we're going to start." Mm. And it was the Learning Tree by Gordon Parks. Yeah. And when I read that that book was so pivotal in you becoming Changed a photographer, I was like, "All right, that's where we're going to start with," because I'm. I'm Completely simpatico with you about that book. <laughs> so, for people who and don't Gordon. know, Gordon Parks was a, a, a Renaissance man, a photographer, a composer, a writer. A true Renaissance man. And what was it about that book that 
opened up to you the idea of the possibility of I could make a living as a, an artist, as a photographer. It's funny because, you know, we, 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 the book number one is amazing, but the fact that it was an African-American man making a living as a photographer and, you know, coming up from Kansas, it's just like, you know, it was just, it really resonated with me in a major way. And I think before that book, I never saw anybody of color doing photography in that way. Um, it connected with me. And I, I just believe that, hey, you know, this is, this is a book about somebody, you know. At that time, I was reading a lot of books. And his, his book, just, just it really hit me. And I was introduced to Gordon. And then from that book, I, I went to find other photographers. I, I found uh, uh, James Van Der Zee, I think, after that point. Mm-hmm. And it made me look at photography differently. Um, it was a hobby before that. And I thought, that's all you did. You just take pictures and it's a hobby. Because it's my father did. He had it as a hobby. But Gordon, it was different. How and old were you when you read the book? I must have been around... 12, 13. Okay. So I was older. I was older. Um, around that time. Around that time. That's such a, a pivotal pivotal time to have that awareness. It that really awareness. is. It really is. That was a, a, a big point for me. I was a, uh, a shy kid. Uh, I was born in New York, born in Brooklyn, and uh, we was there until I was like uh, seven. Then we moved down south, and uh, I didn't fit in down south, uh, you know. I spoke funny, I guess, and the kids picked at me because of my New York accent at the time, which is now gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I was, I was living in the South. My, my family moved <laughs> down South to Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, it's a, it's a change a change in my life. And uh, my camera became my way of communicating with people. Um, it opened doors. And, uh, and it still does. Yeah. I think... I think- you know, your point that that was like the first time you got to see a person of color accomplishing those things. And I think that that's one of the reasons the book resonated so much for me. Because I didn't discover that book until my 20s. Oh, wow. So it was, I, for whatever reason, I just, he wasn't on my radar. I'd seen his pictures, but it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I picked up the book and was like, who, how did I not know about this man? When I finally met him, uh, I took every book that I had and had him sign it. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I, can, I can still see the moment in my head, you know, and uh, I had those books put away safely. Um, <laughs> I have a funny story about him, and I, I don't know if I've told it on the show, but um, I was in college, and I got his number. Someone said, because I was going to go to New York for the summer, and I said, oh, I wonder if he needs some help or something like that. So they gave me the number, and I remember I called and I was expecting that he would have like a secretary or somebody else answer the phone. And I knew the sound of his voice because I'd watched everything that I could yeah. on him. And then he picked up the phone, I heard his voice, and I hung up. Because <laughs> I just I just was not expecting him to be. So I had to like get, get up the nerve to call the next day hoping he wouldn't recognize my voice. But that summer I came, I went down there and I visited him. And I spent wow. a couple of hours with him and it was just like... You know, and I was so nervous I didn't make a photograph of him that day. Oh, you're kidding no, me. No, I was just I was just you know, I was I was just like, I'm in here, I'm in this place. And I was looking at his apartment and I was looking at all these photographs and all these items all this and history. I knew the stories behind them because I'd read all his 
all his biographies. So I could see <laughs> all the connective tissue. And it was just such a rush. But I can still see his apartment like it's yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's etched in my mind yeah. as well. Ditto. But I think, you know, it's interesting that there's a story in his, in his book when he was uh, educated in a segregated school in Kansas, yeah. in Fort Scott. And at one point, he had aspirations of going to college. And one of his teachers basically told him that, that yes. said, that would be a waste of time uh-huh. and a waste of money. You should just go out and do something, being a porter or being a, a mechanic. And despite what you can do. It's reasonable. Yes. And, and when you think I about... remember that. When you think about the generation that you came from, doors, more doors had been opened, but did you ever feel like the world around you was sort of putting limits on what you could, what you could do? And that, yes, yes, um, to a certain degree, um, even, even now, to be honest, uh, to be totally truthful, I I feel that at times, but I always fight against it. Mm Mm-hmm people will look at you and always judge you and think you should be doing one thing. Like nobody looks at me and thinks I'm a photographer. I meet a lot of people on the plane and uh, whenever, you know, I'm usually sitting in, you know, business class or first class and they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm a photographer. I'm like, really? <laughs> I get that all the time. Uh, uh, so what team do you play for? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, that's, that's what I get. What team do you play for? You're a basketball player, football player. And, yeah, I get that a lot. But no, no, I'm a photographer. Really? Well, your father is the one that turned you on to, to photography. Yeah. He used to yeah. get his camera to the point he said, enough of that, I'll give you your, your, <laughs> exactly. your own. I talked to my father my way over here, actually, today, and uh, come to the studio. And uh, yeah, my, my father, um, as a kid, he had a, a projector and he had slides. And I remember the family, we'd, we'd watch slideshows you know, from vacations or whatever. And he, he's, he loved photography as a hobby. But I remember this projector and the slides and the slides tray. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I was, I was fascinated by that whole process of, you know, the, the slides moving and showing pictures on the wall of, you know, of our family uh, doing things. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is the device that does that. Let me play with this. My father's like, no, 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 no. Nobody touches the camera, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody touches my camera. So I'd go in there and I'd sneak in there and play for his camera and see what buttons and knobs did. And it was just kind of, what's this two thing? And 2.8 and 5.6, what is this? And uh, then one day he gave me my camera and said, this one's for you, leave mine alone. <laughs> <laughs> and he sets you up with the dark room? Yeah, yeah. We actually turned the, the, the bathroom, uh, my sisters hated this at the time, we turned uh, the kids' bathroom into a makeshift dark room. Oh, that's trouble. Yeah. <laughs> with, with how many girls? Two girls? <laughs> Two girls. Oh, Lord. And my sisters be knocking on the door like, oh. Get out the bathroom. I'm like, wait, wait, two more seconds. I got two more minutes. I'm in the fixer. I'm in the. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we turned the bathroom into a makeshift dark room, and uh, that was really the the beginning of this love affair of photography. Yeah. Your dad was a preacher. Yes, still is. As a matter of fact, this this Sunday is like his uh, 44th anniversary as a minister. Oh, wow. Crazy, crazy. So you know, you, you, we talk about we talked about Gordon about how he was so inspirational, but you know, your, your dad was very encouraging. But majorly, but tell me more about that relationship because sometimes 
the inspiration for what we end up doing comes from outside of the family and the fact that it came from within the family, I'm wondering. To a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, because uh, at first, you know, it was something to keep me out of trouble and also to get me, uh, uh, you know, you want to find your kid's passion and that ended up being my passion. But um, as the years went on, I seen pictures of everything that moved, everything and anything, and uh, and they encouraged it. I remember taking a picture of a, there's a, a lake, uh, uh in South Carolina, I take pictures of this lake. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's this raging river, not a lake. It's this raging river called the Broad River. And I took pictures of it one day. And my parents loved the picture. And they framed it and put it on the wall. And uh, and that was, wow, this is my first time ever saying that, actually. Because that moment was etched in my mind also. My parents framed one of my pictures and put it on the wall. This is my first time thinking about that. I can still see the picture right now. This is color, 8 by 10 portrait, and they hung it on the wall. Mm. And that meant something. Wow. I've never thought about that right now. But uh, that was as a big moment in my life. Yeah. My dad was a pressman. Uh-huh. And I think first, second grade, I would write these stories where on this sort of recycled paper, we had the blank space on the top and then the lines where you could write something. Yeah. And I remember I wrote like this little story into this picture. And when my dad put that up in his shop. I remember walking in there and feeling like really happy that my dad was proud enough about me that he would put something of mine up for other people to see. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, that was it's a wonderful special. feeling when you have a parent acknowledge something you've created. That you've done. In that way. That you've done. It is very special. Uh, it is. Yeah. There's, a, there's a quote uh, the Gordon that I want to read back to you, and I'd like to hear your, your response to that. He says, people could do many things if they just tried, but they're afraid. I've always had a great desire and curiosity about the world and what I can accomplish in it. At times I've been afraid, but I have not allowed fear to stand in my way. And you included that quote in your in in your book. And I, and I was wondering why that quote resonated so much for you it still does it's funny as, as you read that quote I can I can I can imagine the moment of sitting on his sofa and interviewing him and him saying those words to me I can remember it like it was yesterday and many times in your life you you have this desire to do something you know uh, big or small but the fear that you have inside talks you out of it and you never even try and that interview, that, that quote came at a point when I was fearful of doing something. I was doing it, but I was very fearful of doing it. I was doing a book for the first time. I'd never done a book before. Um, I was doing interviews of people like interviewing me. I'd never done that before. I'm a photographer. I'm not a, you know, a journalist or interviewer. And I was striking out doing something. And Gordon talked to me about fear. And he had no idea what I was going through at that moment, but he was talking about fear and how you can't let that fear stifle you. You should embrace the fear. It should be normal. Uh, we, we all have this inner fear about whatever. We might have the cure for cancer. Who knows? But we're scared to go out on a limb and put it out there for fear of rejection. Once you get past that fear of rejection, you can do anything. Forget about that fear of rejection or, or, or being accepted by whomever. Mm-hmm. And go out there. You might have the next great thing, but you let your fear stop you from doing it. And Gordon reminded me of that that day. And it was something I'll never, ever forget. Mm. You know, you went to school 
you, you learned the technical side of photography. Yeah. And then you went off and you served as an assistant. And that, that time after school is over mm-hmm. is always a, a scary time. It is because you don't time. know what to expect. You can get all the training that you can imagine you'll need and get a degree, but... Then what? Then what? And during that time, I've seen a lot of students who have loved that they're talented, they have great aspirations, and then for some reason or other, life gets the better of them. And it's the fear. So how did you, what did you do to be able to get you through it? Was it just investing yourself in the work? Did you have some sort of community that you created around yourself to just be able to get you through those difficult times where you felt like, this is not going to happen? Truthfully, I was just young, dumb, and cocky. (laughs) 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 uh, My father told me, uh, you know, when I first decided I wanted to do it as as a career, my father, who has always been a champion, you know, of photography for me, was like, photography is is a hobby, it's not a career. I'm like, no, no, it is for me. And uh, I'm going to New York. And he's like, son, there are a lot of starving photographers in New York. I was like, yeah, dad, but I won't be one of them. He tells me that that story to me today. He's like, you know, you always had this thing about, oh, that's not me. And um, not saying that it hasn't been hard, because I've Mm -hmm. had tons of ups and downs in my career. But I loved every phase of it, every part of it. Even now, you're seeing the career going through these ups and downs with uh, this transition we're going through with uh, from uh, DSLRs to um, iPhones or, you know, uh, it's made a difference in that career and it will continue to make a difference in uh, photography. But um, I've loved this process of being a photographer and, uh, and, and not giving up ever. I had a, a friend call me this morning and he was complaining about the industry and I had to stop and like, you know, no, no, you don't give up. We have talent. You have talent. And you got to believe in yourself. Remember what you've done? I started naming all the things he's done in his career. I said, don't forget that because it doesn't happen easily. It doesn't come easily. You've got to believe in yourself. That same thing that got you to this point to create a career will propel your career. Just you never give up. But you make you make that that point that. You were just cocky that you were saying, I'm going to do this. But you described yeah, yourself yeah. as said, a, a shy man or, or growing up a shy boy. That's and true. someone who's shy is not going to go, no, nah, I'm doing this. You know? So, well, I didn't verbalize it, but I felt that. I know you, you felt that, but that seems so elusive for so many people to be able to say that I'm shy, I'm sort of insecure, blah, 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 but going, damn it. I, I have no choice but to do that. So There was, was something in, deep inside of me that was just calling me and still calls me to, to pursue this, this, this passion of photography. I love it. Uh, I always have. Um, the most fun I've ever had in my life has been, well, usually, with a camera in my hand. And uh, the joy I feel when I capture an instant that can't be repeated again, um, but I freeze it through you know the power of photography. That's a great feeling. Yeah. It's a special feeling. 
I was reading a quote from the, your book, Sepia, yes. Sepia Dreams, Sepia and, Dreams. And Samuel Jackson says something along the lines, it's, it's not so much the result of the work, it's the work. Absolutely. And I think that that, once you discover that, even though you may not be able to verbalize it when you're young, it's, I think it's what helps get you past the fear. It gets the insecurity because there's a satisfaction that's had from challenging yourself on a regular basis, resolving whatever problems or obstacles stand in the way of it. Mm-hmm. And then when it manifests itself in the photograph, that is what keeps you encouraged and that what gives Absolutely. you the momentum. Because if you just think about it and you're not acting on it and you're not creating stuff, then all those voices in your head get the better of you. And I, and I think that that's probably what, to my, to my thinking, from what I've observed in no, Korea, that it's, it seems to be the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it gets in your system. And you start believing in yourself. And you don't let anything turn you away from it. Um, is that doubt still there at times? Does it still creep in there? Absolutely. You got to push it away and make yourself um, believe in yourself. And that's not always easy. And I know it. I know that people out there listen like, oh, yeah, well, that's you. And uh, But it's we all have it within us to achieve great things. Um, some of us just let fear get in the way and you can't let that happen. And it's easy to say that, but you can't let the fear stop you from achieving anything. I mean, be it photography or, you know, whatever you want to do in your life, you can't let the fear stop you. Well, you're known a lot for your celebrity portraiture, for your fashion, for your glamour work. But even before you shot your, your, your first celebrity, tell me about the process of getting a sense of who you were as a, as a photographer. Because I'm, I'm sure you experimented a lot. You tried some things that worked and stuff that didn't work. <laughs> so tell me about, you know, making those sort of creative choices and not always playing it safe when you're, you know, when you're, when you're trying I, to I'm develop you said your that, vision. Because you, you can't play it safe. You got to take chances and not every chance will work. Um, there, there are things I've done in my career, you know, beginning my career and even now, that may not work, but you've got to try them and push yourself. Uh, before I started doing celebrity portraits, I was always shooting. And um, uh, I've got to make sure I keep shooting that same way. I'm always, I always want to have a camera in my hand. You know, I grabbed this camera before I left today and I said, I've got to have my camera with me. You don't know what's going to happen. You, you find these moments, but um, in experimenting, you find yourself. I was always trying new things. And even now, I'm always trying new things. Um, and I, th- I think even now, thinking back about the, the body of my work throughout my career, um, my favorite images that I've ever done are images that I've experimented with. They weren't jobs. They were things I was playing around with ideas. And um, those, to me, are my strongest, most powerful images. You, when I've seen you shoot uh, models, your subjects... There's such a rapport that you have with 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 them. You can be in a room full of people, but you make it seem like it's like the, you are the you and your subject are the only two people in. You in have the room. to. You and have to. That's that's not necessarily the easiest thing to learn how to do. So tell me about how you develop that. That skill, because most photographers, mm. oh, they're really good behind the camera if they don't if they don't have to say a damn thing. <laughs> but to, to be able to focus on what you're doing with the camera, but also to be 
making the subject the priority, it takes some practice to, to do. So what, what do you attribute your ability to be able to do that so effectively? I think that that point in my beginning of my, my career in photography when I was like, you know, 12, 13, and I remember I was a shy kid, mm-hmm. and the photographer, the camera became my way of communicating. I think it, it goes back to those roots where I had to learn how to uh, communicate with a camera in my hand. It, it opened doors for me, and it still does. I think that that has led to where I am today, where I still do the same thing. I always have a camera in my hand, and it's it's led to me meeting people, getting to know them, um, removing that barrier. It's It's been a that tool that I've used throughout my life. I guess it developed in that way, because now whoever I'm shooting it's still we're having a conversation while, I'm, while we're working. And I love that because then um, you have a bond. I was, I was, I was going to uh, Barnes Noble earlier uh, this past weekend, and I looked over and I saw this magazine. It had a cu- this woman on the cover of the magazine. I'm like, oh, I know her. And then it hit me. I photographed her like uh, 12 years ago. And I remember the conversation we had. So I, had, I went back to my archives of film uh, for those who don't know what the film is, uh, this plastic little. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to my archives and I found the images. She's now CEO at a big company, a Fortune 500 company. Um, and I'm going to send her an email and remind her of the conversation we had 12 years ago because it stayed in my mind. It stayed in my mind all these years. I had no idea she was now the CEO of this company, but I'm going to remind her of that conversation mm-hmm. and tell her what it's led to. Pictures, conversations, uh, you know, it's that connection. When I'm taking pictures, the, the world sees that that one image that's on, you know, a cover of a magazine or, or on my website or wherever it ends up being that one image. But what leads to that one image is this whole experience and exchange. And I love that process. And my clients, they remember that as well. So it, it's, uh, it's special. It's really special. Um, the world sees that one picture, but there's a lot more that happens behind the scenes. And that's, that's really the, the, what's led to my career is those conversations, those, those exchanges, that moment. Um, and in between all that, you know, communication, we get a, an image that the world sees. Yeah. You're known for, for your image, large images, largely of women. And I'm curious whether growing up with sisters sort of helped helped you in some ways or were they always running away every time you pulled out a camera? <laughs> they probably still run away a little bit now, actually. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that had to have an effect. You know, my, my mother and my sisters um, definitely. Um, I, for the first time, actually, this year, I was commissioned to, to do a series of portraits where it's mostly men. Uh, that's the first time in my career that's happened. I've been shooting women my entire life, <laughs> and uh, and now it's branching out to doing to doing men as well. But uh, yeah, I'm very comfortable short photographing women. Does it make you nervous? I'm probably less nervous with the camera in my hand. Even though you're photographing men, is there any sort of like, I got all these tricks of the trade. I know when I got a woman in front of me, I I, I got all these things that I can use. But when I'm photographing a man, all of a sudden, well, I can't use that. I can't use this. Have, does it, it's funny because you know some of those things still work because uh, like what? For example, so I was I was hired to photograph uh, seventy five actors and directors in China, uh, mostly men, and I have an interpreter there 
because they don't speak English. I don't speak Mandarin, even though I've learned a, a couple of words here and there. You know, hinhao, hinhao, hinhao. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the Mandarin audience out there. Um, and uh, it, it helped me get a, a sense of communication in a different way. But I was saying some words like, oh, like when I shoot anybody, I'm like, oh, that's great, that's nice, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. But you never say that. You never say to a man, oh, that's beautiful in Asia. So, so at first they started laughing, but then they said, you know what, I like that. You know, you know, it helped them open up and show a different side. Mm. Uh, that was kind of cool. So I, I really enjoyed it. You know, you make, you make a good point about that, about having a subject reveal something about themselves. And I think that that's a really a big part of the dance that's between the, the essence of the client. Absolutely. And you, know, you, you work with a variety of, of people, ver- people who are very comfortable in front of the camera and other people who are not. Yeah, who have a wall. So what are you looking for? When you're looking through the camera, you're, of course, looking at your lighting, you're looking at your composition. But tell me about what you're looking for that you feel like that's it. That's the spark. That's, the, that's that little something, something that I want to capture. I want to capture the essence of that person. Whatever that is, I want to capture the essence. I mean, people have this, this vision of themselves. We all have that vision of ourselves. Um, and some people who are, especially in the, in the limelight, will have this wall that mm-hmm. they show to the world. Uh, but there's something behind that wall. I want to get past that wall and show the true essence of that person. That's what I'm trying to do on every photo shoot. It doesn't always work, but that's my that's my goal to get past the the facade and get to the real core of the person visually. Yeah. Can you give me an example of a time where you were like really having to to work it, and then it finally happened, and there was a moment where you're thinking, "I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull this off," but all of a sudden it was there, and you're like, "Oh, there it is." Well, the shot that comes to my mind when you first say that the shot that comes to my mind is the 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 image of working with uh, Gregory Hines. That's, uh, and this was years ago. You know, he's uh, passed away now. Yeah. But uh, when, when I think about a moment when it was a, a hard shoot and I had to really work to try to get to the essence of this person, that shoot comes to mind. There have been many shoots, but that shoot really came to mind because he walked in with the idea of being there literally for like you know five minutes and walking out the door. Um, he has his assistant standing by the door with his jacket. He was ready to go mm. as I'm shooting him. Um, and we're shooting film back then, and he wanted to do well, one roll of film. And he asked me how many frames I had on the roll of film. Uh, he was also a, a hobbyist photographer as well. And he's counting down as I'm shooting. <sighs> he's counting down the frames and giving me nothing in those frames as he's counting down, because he's thinking about walking out the door. And I done research before the shoot, and that research saved the day. Um, and I still do research, even like you know, going to China. I'm, I was watching all these movies from these different directors just to have something to talk about and relate to and know something about them. So, doing my research with, with Gregory Hines, I found that he loved to hear himself tap dance in an elevator by himself. He danced like the last, like oh, you know, yes. yeah, he loved yeah. the sound of that echo in an elevator, and uh, so he's danced like the last like three, four frames. And I, I stopped him, like, do me a favor. Close your eyes and imagine you're in an elevator tap dancing. And he stops. He looked at me like, how the hell did you know I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I forget how I found that little, you know, somewhere in, in my research I found that. Mm-hmm. 
and he was so shocked that I had, you know, taken the time to find out about him. He went down, took his shoes off, started playing around and giving me these great shots and stayed for like two more hours. Wow. He totally forgot about leaving. And it was, it was just, that was the moment when everything changed. And I love when that happens on a photo shoot. When they forget what they have to do. Uh, I was shooting Oprah one time and all of her handlers were around wanting her to leave at a certain time. They had a strict schedule. And I had this music. I went uh, and put a whole music list together for favorite music. So it became a party. And she was singing, having a great time. Like, uh, Miss Winfrey, we have an appointment. She's like, hold on. We just we couldn't stop shooting. It was so much fun mm. that day. I love that. When I get them to forget about all their appointments and duties and responsibilities for a moment, take a pause and just give me the essence of their soul visually. And, I love that. And it's, it's about letting them know that it's them, not the photograph, that's the most important Absolutely. thing about that Absolutely. At that moment. Yeah. And that research is invaluable. I mean, I, it, I research all the people that I interview, and even though I just work with a couple of notes, you know, I, it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. It does. makes a difference whether absolutely. you're photographing someone, whether you're interviewing something, whatever it is, just that acknowledgement that you, you're more interested in them than yourself. And if you're willing to give something that acknowledges yeah. that, yeah. then people are more willing to give back, open, open themselves Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you have to. You have to open up yourself to get them to open up. Well, one of the projects that you're working on is um, Future Presidents. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I thought that that was just a, uh, a wonderful project to be working on, especially since uh, how we started the conversation was uh -huh. all about, you know, aspiration. So tell me about the whole gestation of that, that project and why it's, why it's so important to you. It's extremely important to me. I spent the last uh, 20 months going around. This is also the project that I felt like, wow, I can't do this project. It's, it's too big. It's, it's how I fund it. And I had the no thing was popping up in my head. I had to mm. push it away um, and just do it. Just start the process. Um, I had this idea of taking portraits of people around the country. I want to go to every state and do portraits of little people, of children. And through photography, inspire them and their future. So my concept has been to go to every state in America and photograph a hundred kids. And I just finished uh, photographing the project a month ago now. Went to every state in America, plus the District of Columbia, um, and photographed a hundred families, a hundred children around the country as future American presidents. It's a great feeling. And uh, now we're now doing the editing and the book will come out sometime next year in 2014. But it, it feels so good because it's not just the process of, of doing the image. It's what happens during that process. Seeing a light bulb get turned on for a child to be the highlight. You know, the, the photo experience is very special. Uh, Adults understand that, mm -hmm. but for kids, it's even more special. When you make them the subject, I mean, really make them the, the hero, where everybody's stopping what they're doing and focused on them for that moment, that leaves a lasting impression. And that's what we're doing. 
You just talked about the conversations that you have with your subjects. Tell me about the conversations you were having with these children, because I'm sure it is much different than what you would have. <laughs> much different. Having Oprah in front of your lens, Absolutely, for absolutely. With every child I photographed, I want to give them the feeling of, of being a powerful person in the future. So I address them as Mr. President or Mrs. President. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'd, I'd always say, oh, you know, I believe you could be president one day. And they may they get it, may they don't, but I'm planting seeds. I'm planting seeds. In every state in America, I went around and planted seeds. And sometimes the parents would send me an email afterwards like, thank you very much. You know, we went home after the photo shoot. As one mother told me, we went home after the photo shoot. They were on vacation. They went back to the hotel and they had a conversation about what it means to become the president for the first time with their child. It's like, you know, you don't know what you've done to us, but and you came into our life for 15 minutes, but it made a huge impression. And I believe when the book comes out, it'll be even more of an impression. Yeah. Do you ever think about the fact that what Gordon was to you, you are for a whole generation of wow. photographers? No, I haven't thought of that way at all, but... <laughs> I hope I can be that for other photographers, absolutely. Because I know and, you and get... Beyond photographer, I hope I can be that for, for um, people, period, around the country. Because uh, Gordon Diffin was that for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think most people, you include, don't think about that. But you can imagine that there's some kid who was watching America's Top Model. Yes. You know, and you, and you think about all those young young girls aspiring to be models, but I'm, I'm sure that they were some photographers up there. Some old I have a story about one, kid. actually. Well, tell me about that. I have a story about one. Um, I got a, an email a couple of years ago. It's maybe like six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. I got an email from a mother who said that her son sold me on America's Next Top Model, uh, ANTM. And um, they lived in Alabama, and she said, you know, her son had a birthday coming up. He was a... Um, a senior in high school and she said can you just do me a favor can you just send him an email I think it would just make his day to have an email from you so I replied to her I'm like you know um, when's his birthday and she gave me his birthday and it was the same day as mine so I'm like hmm. give me your number I'll call him on our birthday she's like it's your birthday also I'm like yeah so long story short I go I call him um, and uh, we become friends and um, he asked me what he should do with his career, you know, what he should do after high school. So he should go to art school and, you know, learn photography. He went to art school. Um, he finished, graduated. He said, what should I do now? I said, you should go to New York City and work as a photo assistant. His family was like, oh, New York? I mean, they're from Alabama. He's like, New York City? No, 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 no. He went to New York City. I told him, I said, if you get in New York City, I will connect you with everybody I know. He started working as a photo assistant. So when I went to China, I took him as one of my assistants. Oh, wow. And he is, he is an amazing young photographer now. And it's so great to see him go from, you know, that point six years ago of being in high school to now being in New York, working as a photo assistant, going with me to China, um, and having a great time and seeing his growth. It's a really wonderful thing to see. Yeah. That's one of the things I've learned over the last couple of years, particularly as a result of doing, doing this show, is that we never know what impact we're having in other people's lives just as a result of doing our work. Absolutely. And I think, that that's, I think that's one of the greatest gifts 
that anybody who's an artist can can have. There's a satisfaction that's had from making making the work, but when you hear stories that somehow you've made a difference, it's like that cherry on top of the yeah the cake. That's what I want more than anything else to make a difference. I I've always wanted to know what would my pictures mean a hundred years from now. I've always thought about that, um, and that's. Part of the reason of the, the inspiration for the book I'm doing now is to, you know, to really make a difference. I mean, way beyond me or my photography, I want to make a difference with photographs. And I believe that this book has the potential to do that, to, to, to reach families all over America in every single state and inspire children. That's what I want to do. You know, when people look at what you're doing, a lot of people aspire to be able to be making a living as a photographer, to be traveling, to photographing all these people, and that seems to be the goal. You know, if I have these circumstances, I will have made it. Well, you have all those things, but... I still haven't made it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you mentioned here wanting your work to sort of make a difference, but in terms of the sort of practical day-to-day, uh, it's still a job. Yeah, so it's yeah. easy, like we were talking before we started the interview about the fact that we're doing our work and we're isolated a large yes. part of the time. And it's like, you know, and a lot of people burn out as a result of a lot of that, yeah. that stuff. So right now, at this point in your career, you know, what are you aspiring to? But how also do you keep yourself fresh? fresh? Yeah. I have to have a personal project. I have to. Um my book now, Future Presidents, that's my personal project. Um, I'm passionate about that because it keeps me in love with photography, with being an artist, with doing things for me. When you're, when you're doing work for other clients, uh, whoever it is, you know, be it Oprah or a magazine cover or whoever the client is, it can be the best client in the world. You're still shooting a product or an image uh, for commercial purpose. Um, and it's work, and it's all well and good, but what do you do for yourself that keeps you in love for photography? Um, it may not pay you a dime, but you're doing something for yourself. And my personal projects are that. My books, uh, um, my testing, my, my experiments, all those things are my personal projects. Um, to, to go on the road for 20 months uh, and travel to every state in America was not easy, but I loved it. I love being able to take pictures every day of, for the most part, complete strangers and come into their lives and share, you know, a bit of the joy of photography for an instant and use photography as a tool to hopefully uh, inspire children to aspire to do something great with their lives. That's a wonderful feeling. And those things keep me in love with photography so I don't burn out. In, for, in CBA Dreams, you interviewed all these performers, these uh, sports yeah. figures, and that must have been like an like A plus salon, basically, <laughs> to be in, where you're just like there being a sponge for all of these these people. And when, like you said before, you you really didn't know how to interview, you didn't know how to do all that stuff, your head feelings out about it. But when you got to the end of it, not so, and I'm not so, I'm, I'm sure that the book itself is having that in your hand for the first time must have been very satisfying, but all it's those conversations, all those conversations, what, how did you feel that they changed or influenced you? 
Oh, majorly. Even like, you know, even even today, I can remember I remember every single interview. You talked earlier about uh, Sam Jackson. I remember I remember that interview like it was yesterday. You know, we, we did it in his trailer when he was on the set of uh, doing Shaft. And um, it's 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 funny how all of that just it it makes you who you are. You know, it, it's I'm, I'm going back and thinking about all those moments, you know, the the. The, the interviews, uh, the photo shoots for that first book project, CP Dreams, they were all special moments. You know, when I had the book in my hand, it's like a page and a half of text and then the image. Um, but the interviews, sometimes it lasts for 15 minutes, sometimes it lasts for an hour, depending on who the person was. But I have a transcript of like 100 pages. And they've got to like, you know, transcribe that, uh, have, edit that down to a page and a half of the nuggets. Mm. Um, there's so much more to all those interviews that I have in my mind, in my memory, that's amazing. I mean, that, that, that interview with Sam Jackson in his trailer was so cool because at one point we both forgot we would be doing an interview. We just started talking and going on this tangent. He's talking about um, success. He was talking about success. And I asked him the question, when did you know you made it? And he said, that's a funny question because, you know, in every career, there are different points in your life where you think you've made it. Um, he's like, you know, I did my first um, few movies. And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I finally made it. And then it was nothing for a long time. He's like, and then, you know, I got uh, this deal doing all these Spike Lee movies here and there. And I thought, wow, I finally made it. Um, but that wasn't true either. He said, um, I had just done this movie, um, Do the Right Thing. And he says, I opened the movie. He said, I'm the DJ in the booth. My image, my voice opens the movie. And you know, the movie comes out. It's doing very, very well. He said, and I'm, I'm walking down the streets of New York with the main character of the movie, the guy who played uh, Radio Rahim. And we're both walking down the streets of New York and people stop us. They don't really stop me. They stop Radio Rahim because he was the character who had so much, you know, um, time in the movie. And they're all asking him for his autograph. I'm right, I'm right beside him, asking him for his autograph, and they're ignoring me. And uh, he turns, his character turns to me and says, oh, don't you guys know him? He's in the movie also. They're like, look at him, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he had us dying laughing about that serious situation because, you know, fame is, a, is um, or, or making it. Um, comes at different points in your career. And uh, photography is the same way for me. I think about this all the time when people ask me, oh, when did you know you made it? I always think about Sam Jackson when people ask me that question because it's the same thing. Um, it happens at different points in your career in different ways and stages. It's not such a thing as like overnight success. It's, uh, it's an evolution. And that's what it's been for me. It's, it's, I haven't made it yet. Yeah. I'm on the evolution. I heard this great quote by Dustin Hoffman um, he was talking to another actor, I think it was Alec Baldwin, mm -hmm. and uh, Dustin Hoffman said, uh, and I heard this on the, the Nerdist podcast, and he said, um, you know, we're all in line, just some of us are in shorter lines. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole point is just, don't get out of line. That's right, don't, don't get, get out, out of line. line. Just, keep, just keep doing it. 
I like that. I like that. Um, well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anybody. It can be someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I'm going to say Kwaku Alston. Oh, you're going to have to spell that for me, brother. Kwaku, uh, K-W-A-K-U. Okay. Kwaku Alston. Uh, amazing photographer. Um, um, has an incredible portraits. Uh, uh, men and women. He, he photographed the, uh, the first family um, last year uh, or two years ago. Does amazing work. Amazing work. Uh, he's a... Uh, He's inspired me to start uh, shooting eight by ten portraits. Actually, mm-hmm. so um, my uh, assignment in China, I, I shot, of course, mostly the images with my uh, my Sony A ninety nine, but I did a lot of them also with my eight by ten Deerdorf, and uh, and loved it, absolutely loved it. Oh yeah, there's nothing like eight by ten. I'm looking forward to seeing those. Nothing like eight by ten. Are you printing those out? They will be for a big show in Beijing next year. Oh, you got to print them out here, man. I, I have to. I have to. I have <laughs> to see those prints. I've got to, but I can't do anything first until they're they're shown there first. Right. But yeah, they are incredible. Oh, thank you so much, Matthew. It was thank a real you, pleasure man. to sit down. Pleasure has been mine. Pleasure has been mine. As we continue to grow the show and expand our offerings here at The Candid Frame, your support is invaluable, and you can show that support in a variety of different ways. You can make small donations using PayPal, a link for that you'll find at the candidframe.com website, where donations of $5, $10, $20, or even more are greatly appreciated and go a long way to helping us improve the show. You can also post reviews on the iTunes web store, which help our rankings and create more awareness about the great program that we offer here. The show's editor is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. Till next time, this is Ibarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>